Welcome to the Going for Two podcast, a podcast fueled entirely by love for sports and diet soda. I'm your co-host, Ben, joined by my other co-host, Logan. Logan, what's happening, man? I am waiting for my diet soda to arrive. My beautiful, lovely wife has promised me a sonic drink, so... Oh, wow. If I just pass out before she gets here, um, I'll be fine whenever I have Diet Dr. Pepper running back through my veins. Okay, so we'll just wait uh, until she arrives if you are disconnected. Yep, yep. Okay, that sounds good. I won't call anyone, you know, no EMS or anyone. I'll just just wait on the line. It will be no need. Yeah. eerie podcast we've had yet. Hey, hey, Logan, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I love it. And... Listeners, you can probably tell that Logan and I have not just been uh, the two of us on the podcast for quite some time, which is why we're, we're getting out all our, you know, our old crazy dialogue that <laughs> has been kept inside of us for so long. I mean, it's whole, so hard to hold it in. So it really hard. is. We've had of, uh, what, the past three episodes have been guest episodes now. Four episodes. Four episodes. That's yep. right. Four episodes. So it hasn't been just... Logan, you and I for, you know, the past, what, about month and a half, two months. So this is a, this is a special monumental occasion on the Going for Two podcast timeline, I think. Yeah, so for some of our new listeners who, you know, might have been uh, friends of Selvin, Daniel, Colin, or Andrew, um, what you're going to get today is hopefully just as good, uh, but probably will be a little different. Most likely, yeah. Maybe a, a little less uh, niche uh, mm-hmm. and uh, more generalized. But we are talking about you know the, the area that we love, and that is the NFL today. We're talking all things uh, free agents, and obviously we're going to get into the Mahomes contract because when, it, when anyone in any line of sports or industry signs a contract for half a billion dollars, you have to talk about it, right? It's nuts. Of it course. It really is. It really is. So, Logan, let's jump into that. Do you want to break down the contract for us a little bit? You don't have to go on all the nitty-gritty details. I know I can't because I don't really understand all the nitty-gritty details. But can you just give our listeners a brief overview of what the contract is, how much it's for, mm-hmm. and why is it so flabbergastingly overwhelming? Right. And so there's a, there's a lot of discussion on, on whether – or not who who the ten year deal favors, but let's before we get into that, let's look at okay. So it's actually a twelve year deal. He is signed through twenty thirty one. This season will be would have been the last year on his rookie contract had the Chiefs not already picked up his fifth year option. So he gets a ten million dollar signing bonus for signing the contract um, for ten years, and then. Um, yeah, it's actually taking the money from his current last two years on his rookie deal and adding that with the new money, including the signing bonus. Um, the guarantees are at $477 million, which is insane. Oof. And, um, you, I mean, you look at this. This is twice as long as most uh, big-time – NFL deals. Most of those are going for five years now, and this is going for 10 in new money, but 12 overall. So it's, it's nuts. The, the total number, the maximum he could make over this time span 
without any renegotiation would be $503 million. <laughs> Man. So he is guaranteed. So kind of that minimum to maximum range is $477 million to $503 million. Do I have that correct? Yes. Okay. And that's, that's through the 2031 season. Correct. So that means that the next year that the Chargers will have a chance to win the division <laughs> would be 2032. I mean, not according to Colin Cowherd. He said, uh, you know, over the next 12 years, he thinks the Chiefs are going to win the division only eight times. Only eight and times. Only wow. eight times. So you think about it, and that, it, that would be an incredible span for any team. Like if, you, if I could tell you right now, the Chargers are going to win their division eight over the next 12 years. You're going to take that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's excellent. But then you compare that with, with Tom Brady and what he's been able to do with the Patriots. And we see so much more physical talent with Mahomes that we're expecting more. But there's so much um, organizational consistency and structure and uh, support that goes into being able to win your division year after year after year. But we just don't know if the Chiefs are going to be able to maintain. There's only one team that's ever done it, and that's the Patriots. Yeah, there's a lot of comparisons being thrown around right now between the Patriots dynasty, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes, and what could be a Chiefs dynasty. Um, when you talk about those big contracts, obviously we typically discuss them in terms of around five years um, plus or minus a few, but now we're talking about a mega, mega, mega deal. So from your view of it, if we had to approach it as sort of a a binary winner and loser of this, you know, obviously the big winner is Mahomes, the losers are the rest of the NFL, but (laughs) from a perspective of internal um, Mm -hmm. competition, did Mahomes win or did the Chiefs win? I think I've got to go with Mahomes because um, there's there's much less risk on his end. Um, yes, he might be making more if he if he'd done this in three or four year deals. At the end of it, he might have come up with more money. Um, you know, he might have averaged you know closer to fifty million on his second contract or his third contract or his fourth contract, you know, but from my point of view, he, he would have been risking his health and his long-term ability to, to make money in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You know, that some people have nicknamed the NFL uh, not for long, you know, most people don't last 10 years period, let alone 10 years plus your rookie deal. So um, I think the winner is Mahomes because if he goes out and has a devastating injury on week one of this season, and I don't hope that for him or anyone else, but if that happens, he's getting at least a large portion of that $477 million. Now, I'm sure there's some kind of clause in there at which the Chiefs could recoup some of that in, in a nutso situation like that, but he is going to get that money, or at least most of it. Now, the Chiefs are not guaranteed to get MVP caliber play for the next 12 years. They signed up and they gambled on Patrick Mahomes being as good as he's been and maybe even better. 
by paying him upwards of around 40 million a year. So I think Mahomes is the winner, but I do see why the Chiefs were willing to do that. When you have, I mean, this is going to be, okay, a bold statement from Logan today is (laughs) Patrick Mahomes is the closest thing to Michael Jordan that we've seen since Michael Jordan. And when you have that in, in, in front of you on your team, yeah, just lock it up. (laughs) Just keep it there for the next 10 years and you, you will not be disappointed. Yeah. There was a, I don't know if you're referencing this, but there was an article that was comparing the, the rise of Patrick Mahomes with the potential trajectory of Michael Jordan. Um, you know, and I don't think that there's any arguing that is he on the correct trajectory to emulate a Michael Jordan in the NFL? Certainly, but there's still many championships and many MVPs to be won to, be even mentioned in the same sentence period as Michael Jordan. But all that notwithstanding, I think I generally will agree um, with your sentiment that Patrick Mahomes is being paid over the next 11, 12 years uh, as if he's delivering an MVP type performance virtually every season uh, or or close to it. At least, you know, granted, yes, that, the amount that he's going to be making in year eight or nine is probably going to be um, less than the other top quarterback, which he understands and the chiefs understand as well, but he's still being paid on average um, what you would expect a top five, top seven quarterback to be, to be paid over the next 12 years. And so, because of that, the Chiefs are gambling. Like you said, you know, they're hoping that he produces and they're hoping that he's healthy. And that was one reason why I was kind of taken aback by the contract because he has had a little bit of injury history. You know, he's played mm-hmm. uh, three seasons now and he missed a substantial amount of time. I believe it was last year, maybe uh, well, about four games or so, or five games. So three or four games. Three or yeah. Four, yeah. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't enough to obviously make you, you know, not, not do a contract like this or, say, oh, he's going to be super injury prone or, you know, akin to RG3 or anything like that. Um, But that's one reason why I was surprised at it. But at the end of the day, I think it's beneficial for both sides. And I think that they are able to to make it work, unfortunately, as a Chargers fan. Yep. Now it's going to be interesting to see how they can uh, put the players around him in over the next few years. And that's what I was kind of interested in. You know, did they, how did they load his contract? Um, did they front load it thinking that they're going to get his prime and be able to bring in free agents in a few years? Or did they back load it and thinking their window is right now? Um, just looking over the next two years. So 2020, he's only going to make uh, almost $11 million. Um, that's to $10 million uh, signing bonus and a salary of eight hundred and twenty-five thousand. So that's nothing. Um, and then next year his total will be twenty-two, and then it goes to twenty-nine. So the next three years they still have him on an affordable deal as far as the cap hit, to the best of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that may allow them to um, get Chris Jones under contract for at least a few more years. Um, it may allow them to go out and and probably not make a big splash, but maybe look at some other free agents that are still out there. 
Yeah, and I think the most successful piece uh, from a, a um, an alluring standpoint to retain the talent on the Chiefs is just that they're going to be able to win consistently from here on out. And mm-hmm. one of the best ways that you satisfy people, uh, if you can't do it with uh, backing up the Brinks truck, it's to win championships and Super Bowls. And I think that they're going to be able to do that now. So, you know, they, the Chiefs have had a very eventful uh, last few days, given their quarterback uh, situation. And a few of the other teams in the NFL – uh, have also had a, well, it's not days, but months, uh, an interesting months surrounding the quarterback situation for their given team. And naturally, I'm talking about the rotating carousel of all the free agency, all the free agents that are quarterbacks um, this past offseason. So you and I, um, a few months ago, before this all started, about maybe mm-hmm. early March or so, we predicted where about six of the the main free agent quarterbacks would end up. So I'm going to to read those predictions to our listeners and then I and then I will tell everyone uh where they ended up. So let's see. Yep, so it's it's five. We predicted I believe it was five. I think you had one extra in there. So the first right. one the the one that everyone was interested in to see where he went um, was Tom Brady. I predicted Tom Brady going to the Los Angeles Chargers. You predicted Tom Brady going to the Los Angeles Chargers. Tom Brady did not go to the Los Angeles Chargers. He ended up in a tropical location in Tampa Bay. So we're o, we're both o for one. But yep. it get, it gets better. It gets better. Uh, I predicted Philip Rivers to go to the Bucks. So, uh, interesting kind of triangle, I guess I predicted with Brady the Chargers and mm-hmm. Rivers to the Bucks. But I predicted Rivers to go to the Buccaneers, and you predicted Rivers to go to the Indianapolis Colts. Congratulations, he went to the Indianapolis Colts. You, got one right. You got one right. You're up. I'm going to try to keep this count in my head. You're up. Uh, one for two, I'm 0 for two, and it doesn't get better. Jameis Winston, <laughs> I predicted Jameis Winston ends up in Nashville playing for the Tennessee Titans. You predicted Jameis Winston ended up in the windy city of Chicago playing for the Bears. Jameis Winston ended up in Nolens. Yeah. So you are still one for three, I'm 0 for three. Okay, okay. So I have no, faith, you'll get one. Yeah, I hope so. So, <laughs> maybe it's the next one. We'll see. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. My prediction <clears throat> was that he ends up in Miami to the Dolphins. <laughs> Your prediction was that Teddy Bridgewater went to the Panthers. Whoop, whoop. So, congratulations. There we go. You are now, what, two for four? And I am, admittedly, zero for four. <laughs> Um, now I have one more, you did one extra prediction because you're an overachiever. Uh, but this one was regarding Taysom Hill. We both predicted where Taysom Hill will go. I said, Taysom Hill will stay with the saints. (laughs) All right. There you go. Finally got one. You also said Taysom Hill will stay with the saints. So 
We both got that one correct. I went to one for five. You're currently at, I believe, three for five. So you're you're batting pretty well. And and you did uh you did a couple extra. Mm-hmm. You also had uh Cam Newton to the Buccaneers. Yep. Interesting um prediction. And he obviously ended up going to the Patriots, which we'll talk about in just a second. And you also predicted that the Colts trade the rights to Andrew Luck to the <laughs> Patriots for their first round pick. So that was an off the wall prediction, unsolicited. Go big or um, go home. Go big know? or go home. So <laughs> talking about, you know, including that last one, I think you ended up, uh, what, like a four for seven, something like that. Yeah, something somewhere. I got there. one. So you did much better so- than I did. Before we jump into analyzing, you know, where these quarterbacks landed or at least a few of them, I want to I want us to analyze each other's guesses. OK, I want I want uh, let's go from starting with Brady on down and. You know, OK, so we we both said Brady to the Chargers, so. Yeah. In my mind, that was a that would have been a better landing spot. Potentially, um, but I think ultimately it came down to family. Do you agree? You know, I I really don't know what it came down to. I I don't think he was ever enthralled with the uh, Chargers kind of organization as a whole, mm-hmm. um, which I understand. I think they have a more stability with um, Anthony Lynn as their coach now. But um, you know, just the the ownership, Spanos, the fam- Spanos family have been. Um, volatile at times. And so, you know, I think Brady just wants a kind of a more solidified organization. Um, you know, Bruce Arians is always a wild card. You don't know what you're going to get with him, but mm-hmm. it'll be an interesting one. And it really was a, was quite the announcement. I mean, it was, Oh yeah. I, it was off the wall. I mean, I'll say it, it was off the wall and even throwing in Gronk coming back. Who saw that? I mean, what happened this offseason? It makes a lot I more sense in retrospect, but that was not one that I would have even put in probably my top three, might not have been in my top five landing spots for Brady. So that's pretty nuts. But uh, so you said Rivers to the Bucks. I actually think that is a that was a really good guess. Um, Arians has had great success rehabilitating the careers of older quarterbacks. Uh, Rivers fits the mold of an Arians quarterback, maybe even better than Brady. Um, you know, big, strong, strong arm, um, pocket passer. That's, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of um, what he, what he, what Rivers is, what Arians has had success with, with Big Ben, with Carson Palmer, with Jameis yeah. Winston. Winston. Um, where I think that might have, been a little off base is that last season rivers and Winston were similar quarterbacks in that rivers has been a little bit hindered and by his lack of mobility. And that's, you know, caused some turnover issues. And um, I don't think that Arians wanted to sign up for an older version of, of Winston, not that rivers couldn't be better than that, but that he hadn't proven to be more recently. Yeah, it, yeah. At the end of the day, you know, I think you were you, with Rivers or with Brady. You're getting the quarterback who was admittedly past their prime, but still had mm-hmm. enough gas in the tank that they could put together a very respectable season this upcoming fall. Um, 
honestly, from what I've seen, just kind of the trajectory of the past two seasons from Brady and Rivers, I think that the Bucks benefited more bringing Brady in than they would have bringing in Rivers. Um, he had a down year last year, um, and I think you know Brady had uh, Brady had a down year. But if you look, watch any of the Patriots games, and I talked about this on the podcast, you know that his wide receivers were just horrible. They were one of the worst wide receiving right. uh, cores in the league, and now. What does he have? Well, he has um, Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has Chris Godwin. He has Rob Gronkowski. Uh, you know, so that is it's going to be really exciting to see what he can do with that. And they have a decent backfield too. So him being able to to come in and now with this this talent of young wide receivers and um, getting Gronk back, it's going to be really interesting to see what he um, can put together. Uh, you know, at age eighty five. So. That'll be fun. Um, tell me, you know, you talked about the Bucks for a while and the outing of Jameis Winston. Um, what do you make of his move to the Saints? This was kind of an interesting one because no one really knew. Uh, he, he was a lot. He was in the same kind of category and bucket as Marcus Mariota, where uh, you know he, he was out the door mm-hmm. and they had uh, he he knew it. And everybody knew it that the team knew it. He he kind of accepted that fate, I think, and he was ready to move on. It probably benefited both teams. Both him and Marcus Mariota were looking for other chances, a place where they could potentially uh, come in and try to be the starter, um, at the very least, if not given the the starting position. But what do you make of Winston going to the Saints, where they already have a, a decently solidified backup in Taysom Hill? I think it's brilliant. Um, I think that he couldn't have made a better decision. I think it would have benefited Marcus Mariota more to go to the Saints over the Raiders, even though he's got a better chance at beating out Derek Carr for the starting job than Drew Brees. What Jameis is hoping for is a Teddy Bridgewater situation. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's looking to come in, maybe get a few starts. Even best case for Jameis, Drew Brees stays healthy and they are super successful and Jameis Winston plays week 17 and he lights it up, throws six touchdowns, 500 yards, one interception. And then everyone, the buzz on him, the hype is going to outlive the actual statistics and people are going to, the narrative is going to be Sean Payton has turned him around. He's a new quarterback. You know, we're going to see a situation mm-hmm. like Matt Flynn a couple years ago where he had one good game starting in place of Aaron Rodgers at the end of the season. And then someone's going to give him a big money deal to at least compete to be their starter. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you're right. That's essentially what Teddy Bridgewater did. Um, he was in a, a very similar situation with the Vikings um, as far as one foot out the door. Mm-hmm. His leaving was was more so due to injury than poor play. And so – he left a little bit more, I think, mystery uh, in the box than, um, than what Jameis Winston would leave if he played well for one or two games or a Marcus Mario would, would, would leave. But I think it's a similar trajectory if he were to come in and play well, keep his interceptions down and get a victory for one or two games. And then people are willing to say, you know what, yeah, let's, let's bring him in for a shot and possibly uh, get him a starting uh, position. You know, it's interesting because that – that quarterback room in New Orleans is really centering around this stable piece in Drew Brees, mm-hmm. and then these rotating guys in and out who are looking for uh, 
who are really, you know, relying on and, and not not purposely relying on Drew Brees getting hurt at all. But that's what they've been able to capitalize upon when Drew Brees has, has been hurt. And so they've stepped in and shown that they can do it and they've benefited from uh, from his injuries. So, you know, who knows if Drew Brees gets hurt again for an amount of time this year. Hopefully he doesn't. Um, perhaps maybe they just go 14-0 and and Jameis finishes off the season with two wins uh, when Brees rests and gears up for the playoffs. Who knows? I hope, obviously, that he doesn't get injured and Jameis doesn't get playing time that way. But if he does, um, he has the ability to capitalize and go sign with another team to compete for a starting position. Is there any chance he's, he starts for the Saints this year? No. <laughs> I mean, not in place <laughs> of Brees, no. Sure, uh, sure. All right, I just mean, wanted to throw that out there. Do they have a package where they bring him in so that he can throw the ball 60 yards because Breeze can only throw it about 45 now? Like, maybe. <laughs> but sure. you'd, you'd probably put in Taysom Hill in that case anyways. So, so he's no, throwing no. to Taysom Hill. <laughs> yeah. Could, he's throw- could they run a okay, three-quarterback? Three-quarterback set. I think they did that <laughs> last year with Teddy, Andrew, and um, Taysom Hill. So I, I won't doubt it. Um, That's amazing. Jameis is maybe the least athletic out of all four of those quarterbacks. So that's kind of downgrade there, but yeah, let's stay in the NFC South. I'm just now realizing how much movement there was in this division um, from Cam, Teddy, Jameis, Mm -hmm. all moving around uh, Brady coming in. So Teddy, we'll talk about Cam in a second, but with, with Teddy going to the, the Panthers, that's a very interesting um, prediction that you actually got you, you you got that correct can you tell us a little bit about what your rationale was for predicting he would go to the Panthers um, the connection there is with Joe Brady who Matt Rule brought in as his offensive coordinator was at LSU last season as their um, passing game coordinator not even their offensive coordinator if I'm right and mm-hmm. um, the year before that, he was with the Saints in um, an offensive assistant role. Um, so he was with Teddy Bridgewater. Am I, am I right there? Or he, if he wasn't, he was only a year removed from Teddy Bridgewater being in, in New Orleans. And so I think mm-hmm. that Teddy got Sean Payton's seal of approval and sent him off to uh, one of Peyton's protégés in Joe Brady. Um, I think that you look at, uh, you know, what Joe Brady was able to do with Joe Burrow last season. You look at wh- how the Saints offense operated with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, it was serviceable. It wasn't, um, it wasn't necessarily exciting, but Teddy can run that offense. And that was, I think what Matt Rule and Joe Brady wanted was someone who could step in and not be learning from day one, but be leading from day one. And I think that's what they mm-hmm. have in Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think when when we uh, made these predictions, I think there were already rumors that they were talking and things had already broken down with Chicago. And I think this was for Teddy Bridgewater waiting for the right situation. You Mm -hmm. predicted that he'd go to Miami. I didn't think that would happen because he turned down Miami last year to go back to the Saints as a backup. Um, Mm. Whoever was going to sign with Miami who wasn't um, 
a rookie was only going to be a bridge quarterback and Bridgewater while he has bridge in his name, I think is looking to be at least a semi long-term starter or that's what he's, he's wanting the opportunity to do. Um, and he thinks he's got that in Carolina. Um, another interesting signing that Carolina made was PJ Walker from the Houston roughnecks um, uh-huh. in the XFL he kind of took that league by storm. He did a no-look pass, had some highlight plays. The Roughnecks were undefeated before the league got canceled. Um, and P.J. Walker actually played for Matt Rule at Temple, as did Robbie Anderson, who they also signed from the Jets. So uh, mm-hmm. Rule is bringing in some of his favorites from college, or at least guys who maybe know his system and know what he expects of his players so that he has some locker room guys in place, I think, and – um, I'm curious to see if PJ Walker creates any quarterback controversy in that offense. Yeah, he'll be exciting to watch for sure. Um, I would be surprised if he did. You know, I, I think that they've put all their eggs in the Bridgewater basket. Um, but I think that, you know, at the same time, they're in a really interesting spot where, you know, Matt Rule coming in and Joe Brady coming in and Teddy Bridgewater coming in. They're all new guys to the um, organization and uh, they're all in new positions, um, mm-hmm. including Matt Rule, who uh, I don't know if he's ever been in the NFL or not, but he's never been a head coach in the NFL. No. Really. So him coming in is, you know, it, it is a kind of a scary position that a lot of these first time head coaches are in when they have to rely on a quarterback that is new to the franchise and they have to develop together. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of successful tandems in the past that have been able to make it work. Um, what do you think about – I want to hear your take. Do they – were the Panthers better uh, at keeping um, – retaining Bridge or, uh, excuse me, obtaining Bridgewater, or should they have retained Cam Newton? I think this was the logical breaking point for the Panthers and Cam Newton – New ownership, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. Um, now, this they don't have a lot invested in Bridgewater, so um, they could draft a guy after this season. You know, if things go awful, they can you know look at Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence in the draft. But um, yeah, Cam, they they kind of. I think they played it close to the vest and they said all the right things, you know, Oh, we love Cam. He's very talented. And then, well, we're trading him. Oh no, we couldn't trade him. We're going to cut him. Um, Yeah. yeah, I don't, I think um, it was the right time. Um, Talent wise. It's really hard to say. Like I, Ooh, you, you're, you're asking when you ask that question, you're really asking is Cam Newton going to be healthy this season? Because if he's healthy, he's better than Bridgewater. But Mm -hmm. if he's not, he's worse than Bridgewater. If he's a, if you're asking me Cam Newton as a pocket passer, I'd rather have Teddy Bridgewater. If we're looking at Cam Newton, who can be your goal line back, then I'm more excited about Cam Newton. Yeah. I think you make a good point there. Cause you know, when we talk about, Cam Newton, it's all uh, underscored by his health mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, when he's fully healthy and when he puts together a full season, um, 16 games played, he he puts up great numbers. And, you know, obviously <clears throat> the 2015 season was MVP. Mm-hmm. 
uh, caliber when he won the MVP. And then, uh, you know, he had a, he had a, I believe he had a couple, one or two down years, but then he had a, a good season just recently. But, but then last year he was hurt and the year before that. Um, and so it was all a, we haven't really seen a healthy Cam Newton for almost three years. And when we did see little spurts when he was healthy, he performed well. So him getting into the, the right position, into the right franchise, into the right uh, training room, coaching staff, that's going to be very, very, very important for him and his success in New England um, with the Patriots. You know, fortunately, Bridgewater is able to stay healthy. Uh, the ACL tear isn't really one that you see with recurring problems. In fact, most of the time when the doctors repair the ACL after a full tear, it's actually stronger than it, than it is right. uh, before the tear. So I don't think that there's going to be any injury problems for him along the way. It was kind of just a, a freak accident that unfortunately happened to him in Minnesota. Um, but Cam's injuries scare me if I'm the Patriots yeah, uh, because they are so, because they're different. Uh, you know, they're not isolated to the, the same injury over and over. They're different. And he he has put a lot of wear and tear on his body, body admittedly. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, and this will be an opinion that I don't think many share, but I think Cam has already started the transition towards the Patriots type of offensive system. Um, I think you've seen the Panthers transition that way over the past few seasons. Um at one point they had, you know, big bodied receivers and cams, the whole offense was centered around, okay, if cam isn't passing it, it's play action. It's a deep drop. He's going to make one guy miss. And then he's going to chunk it to Ted Ginn over the top of the safety. You know, that, that was their whole offense, right? It was big shots. It was running the ball with the mm-hmm. Williams, Jonathan Stewart, and then chunking it for 40 yards in the air. Well, they let go of Steve Smith. They let go of Ted Ginn. They got smaller. They got Christian McCaffrey as their running back. Curtis Samuel is one of their top receivers. Those guys, and they brought in these smaller receivers, smaller scat backs, and they're running more of that Patriot-type system where you see short passes, intermediate passes, and a running back who is extremely um, in a big part of the passing game. So I think Cam already has a taste of it. I don't know if he's going to be good at it. And I don't think that he was necessarily good at it in the past. But if anyone's going to get it out of him, it'll be Belichick and um, shoot their offensive coordinator, uh, McDaniels. McDaniels, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's trading in Curtis Samuel and, and Christian McCaffrey for James White, Rex Burkhead, and Julian Edelman. Um, then you throw in a couple guys like Mohamed Sanu and Nikhil Harry. It'll be interesting to see how they use all these pieces. And I think they'll reserve Cam's running ability for uh, more of a surprise rather than the the primary function. And that's that's how I could see them using Cam. Yeah, I think what scares me about Cam in New England is just the receiving core that's there. Um, Brady, you know, that's been my concern from the start uh, with the Patriots over the past year. Um, just really their lack of talent. They had a, they had a, uh, they acquired the new midseason last year. He was serviceable, not good, not great, not terrible. Um, you know, Nikhil Harry is still very young. Um, has got to get used to playing in the NFL. 
But, you know, I think that that is something that worries me because Cam Newton, his probably the biggest flaw that he has as a passer next to inaccuracy is that he, <laughs> he, is that he chucks the ball on these short five to 10 yard routes. Like he just, yeah. I don't know why way wide. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like super, like he, he does a fastball on the slat route, slant routes. And Mm -hmm. you know, these talented wide receivers can't catch those. And he, he's, he's struggled with that um, for a long time. And he hasn't really been able to take much zip off the ball. Uh, And when you have these wide receivers who, are not great at catching in the first place. When whenever you have a little extra zip on the ball, that's going to be problematic. So, I'd, you know, hopefully, the the Patriots coaching staff can help work on that. But you know, he's been in the league for quite a few years and hasn't been able to um, improve much in my eyes regarding the the fastness with which he throws. So that'll be an interesting outcome to see if the uh, wide receivers on the Patriots can keep up with that style of, of throwing from cam. Yeah. And I think, um, that's what you see in his inaccuracies in the short to medium game is, is due to his footwork. If you watch cam Newton in the pocket, it, it's atrocious. He, I, I don't know that I've ever seen him take a clear drop. It's just kind of a, just kind of like he's, he's just kind of floating around. He's just kind of meandering while he's looking. He's just kind of moving, without purpose. That's mm-hmm. not what you, you never see Brady do that. And yeah. Cam also holds the ball too long because he always thinks, Oh, I can make this guy miss. Or while this guy's pulling on my leg, I can still get this throw off. Brady is three seconds. And if there's a guy in his face, he drops to the ground. So it's going to be completely, it's, it's going to be different. It's going to be interesting. Um, I don't know if he'll be successful if he is able to change, if he's able to clean up that footwork, um, the short game is, it should be easy. And that's what they, that's what you, they teach you. You know, I was a quarterback in high school and we worked so much on short game, on quick game. Um, it's, if you're throwing to your left, all it is is a shuffle. It's like a shortstop fielding a ground ball, shuffling and throwing. And if it's, um, if it's to your right, you're just pivoting on your foot. You pivot that right foot, you put your shoulder towards your target, and you you throw the ball. That's what I've never seen Cam do. You see him throw from so many odd angles because his feet are never right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what causes those balls to sail or to hit the dirt or to be wide. And you don't see that as much with his deep passes because his target area is larger. When you have Ted Ginn Jr. that just – beat the corner and has a five yard bubble, then yeah, you can just put it out there and hopefully he gets it. And if he doesn't, it's, you know, it's incomplete and it doesn't look too bad when you just threw a 40 yard bomb, but mm-hmm. yeah, those, those three yard slants that miss by five yards look really, really ugly. Yeah, they do. And one thing that I'll say before we move on to uh, talking about, maybe the most uh, controversial quarterback of that is technically a free agent. I'll just say, I remember Ron Rivera. I forget what it was. He, he gave some type of discipline to uh, Cam Newton for not wearing a tie or something like that. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. 
so I Cam Newton's got you know he's got a little bit of diva in him. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I definitely think he's matured vastly over the years from when he first came into the league. But I, it it'll be interesting to see how that may or may not clash with Bill Belichick and his style of coaching because you know he he's not one to put up with that that kind of player uh, who can be a diva at times. But at the same time, he's you know coached plenty of diva so. Right. That will be and if it's, something interesting to watch. If it's not working, they will have no qualms about cutting him and moving on from his veteran minimum salary. They'll eat that money and they will start Jared Stidham. And another theory is they may not change the offense too much. They may be borrowing some Gus Malzahn offense um, of schemes since they have two former Auburn quarterbacks on their roster now. Yeah, there you go. That's a good comparison. All right, so the last thing that um, I think we'll chat about for tonight is another technically free agent quarterback. He's, he shares a lot of similarities with Cam. They're both mobile quarterbacks, a little inaccurate at times passing. Uh, both have made it uh, to the Super Bowl. Uh, both have lost the Super Bowl. We're talking about uh, none other than the Colin Kaepernick. So let's chat about Cap for a second the first thing that I want to to ask is, does he end up playing somewhere this fall? Uh, I want to say yes. I I would have said no. I, I for a while really thought that Kaepernick didn't want to play. That he wanted to uh, to be an icon and be a um, you know kind of a, a figurehead of this movement. And um, and there's nothing wrong with that there might be something wrong with deceiving people to say, you know, I don't have any opportunities, but um, whether he did or not, that's for, you know, another podcast. But um, now I think with the way things are going, I think it would be in his best interest and of the movement and of the NFL to, um, to all work together to, to get him on a roster. And I, I do think that he, will be I think he'll sign a contract. Whether he plays it down a football next season or not, I I can't tell you. I do think he is offered and signs a contract with an NFL team this year. So I'm gonna uh, so this is good. I like um not always agreeing. I am I'm gonna disagree with that. I think um I, I think that, you know, just we've heard a lot about teams being interested in him for the past two or three years or so. Um, but I think also teams are probably looking at it from um, a performance standpoint, obviously. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that when you look at the last season uh, that he played in, he wasn't great. No. Um, he wasn't the worst quarterback, but he wasn't great. And um, I think I saw something where basically his last season would have put him around um, 18th, the 18th ranked quarterback uh, for what we've got going now with the quarterbacks. Um, so, you know, I think that that is um, something to consider if you're thinking about bringing in because you are going to have uh, media surrounding – you're going to have that added layer of, of the media attention mm-hmm. and perhaps the drama in the locker room. Um, hopefully there, there wouldn't be that drama, but perhaps the drama in the locker room. Uh, and so you have to ask yourself, you know, am I bringing in this guy who uh, really was at – 
not playing at a super high level the last time he was in the league and he hasn't played for three years. And so I think that, and another consideration is I don't think a team is going to bring him in and just think, Oh, well, you know, if he doesn't do well in training camp or, you know, if we, if we don't need to use him or anything, uh, then they'll cut him. I don't think any team would approach this. Like we have the opportunity to cut him because that those optics would just look, you know, insanely bad with cutting Colin Kaepernick. Um, and so I think that anyone who takes on cap would have to, you know, really, really be committed to him either as, you know, a starting role or a backup. Um, and I don't know if he's open, you know, I would assume he's open to, to being a backup right now, but you know, at the same time he left as a starter. So, you know, um, I hope he gets a chance. Mm -hmm. I hope he does. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, his, uh, the movement that he supports in Black Lives Matter is very important. Um, so I hope he ends up getting a chance, but I I'm, I don't think he will, unfortunately. But time will tell, I guess. I think um, one of the rumored landing spots for Cam Newton was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they, other than Big Ben, have a room full of um, <laughs> not a lot of talent. And mm-hmm. Ben's coming off injury. And now you look at the free agent quarterback market and there's, there's not much left. So I could see Tomlin going out and signing Colin Kaepernick. Um, he's, he's got a Tomlin is still the strongest personality in that locker room, even with Kaepernick. He's gotten rid of Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, guys who were locker room problems. And now I don't think the Steelers even had some drama with um, their team decided to stay in the locker room rather than go out for the national anthem. Um, mm-hmm. And one of their players, um, I believe the left tackle, and I think it's Andrew Villanueva, um, mm-hmm. went out by himself because he himself is a veteran and he mm-hmm. did not want to be a part of any protest. Um, but now with the current climate, I don't feel like it's going to be a hot topic in the locker room it's just going to kind of be understood we're all going to make some sort of protest as a team Uh, especially with the Steelers and Mike Tomlin I think he's going to be very supportive of players who want to speak out and and protest in any number of ways um, Mm -hmm. as long as they're not you know wildly outside the realm of of what we've seen before Um, so I think I could see him embracing Kaepernick and looking at that as an opportunity. Um, like you said, it's it's important to note that Kaepernick didn't lose his job because he took a knee during the national anthem. Um, he got benched for Blaine Gabbert because he wasn't playing well. Um, then what happened after that um, is definitely, you know, open for discussion. I I think that his stance and his publicity definitely played a part in him not landing another job. Um mm-hmm. Alone, pretty much aside from whatever what he was standing for, I I understand um, the importance of it, and but he was just it's kind of that saying you know you don't want your your backup quarterback to be a star. That's kind of why Tim Tebow's not in the league. Nobody wants that. They don't want those chants. You know when your starter is not doing well, you don't want the fans howling for Tebow. When Tebow 
has the same problem with Cam Newton and can't hit the broadside of a barn half the time. So teams didn't want Kaepernick on the sideline being more famous than their starting quarterback. Um, I don't think the Steelers have that problem with Big Ben as long as he's healthy. But if they don't have Big Ben, they do have a problem. So I, I could see that being a landing mm-hmm. spot for Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, if uh, I think we started the episode off proving that you were much better at predicting where quarterbacks will land than, <laughs> I, than I am. So uh, I think if anybody is using us to predict where Cap ends up, I'd say go with Logan instead of me. But I guess time will tell for that as well. I think we should call this one winner takes all. I'm calling it with the Steelers and you're calling it with no one. And uh, whoever wins that one wins the whole prediction for 2020. So I like it. That sounds great. (laughs) All right. Well, um, guys, we have another episode planned for uh, probably next week. Um, Talking about the NBA and we didn't want to go ahead and and talk about that today because Nobody knows what's going to happen yet, but we'll know more every day. We'll um, give our take on the upcoming playoffs. Um, We hope you enjoyed this episode talking about the NFL and how bad both of us are at predicting where people are going to go. So if you want to catch up on anything that you've missed, you can check out our Twitter uh, at going for two underscore pod, our Instagram um, at going for two podcast. Is that correct, Ben? I think going for two pod, I think going for two pod, um, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah. Check out our latest episodes with guests. They were really interesting. Gave a lot of great perspective, um, that we can't always offer on different sports and, um, you know, different regions and things like that. Um, and there will be more to come. We're available on Apple, Spotify, and pretty much everything else. Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. And until next time, be safe.